Uh-huh. I know what you're thinking. Is this the booth drafting the circuits? Three-way theater or the Kevin Jackson show? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kinda lost track myself here on Hoobazoo.com. So, do you feel lucky, punk? Oscar Mike Radio. Come in. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Sinister One, this is Oscar Mike. I have Ulima Charlie over. Folks, today is December 7th, 2017, 8 p.m., which means it's time for Oscar Mike Radio. This episode 71 will be about uh, Pearl Harbor. Today is the 76th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. So I'm looking forward to talking with you about that. But now, as usual, well, I say usual because it's not all the time. I will start with the question of the week. And I've been getting asked this one a bunch. um, What do I think about the Netflix series, The Punisher? And people are asking me about that, not because I'm a movie uh, or, or TV critic or because I have any great insights into how Marvel does things. They're kind of wondering about how the military works with some of the storylines going on, how some of the weapons work and how, you know, people react when they're shot in chest armor, body armor, things like that. So I'll try to do this in two parts. The first being just what do I think of it as a show overall and then some of the specific details. As a show, I kind of, I got to tell you, I was kind of bored sometimes the, the Punisher I grew up reading as a kid, there wasn't a lot of talk. It was more or less a lot of, well, punishing. And it's a pretty straightforward story for Marines. Family is uh, at a park and they're killed uh, by a drug cartel. And then Frank Castle uh, commits the rest of his life to hunting down and punishing criminals. Hence the name The Punisher. And it worked really well. I, I really liked it. I mean, you know, they'd have some really cool episode, uh, episodes, episodes, issues. That's what you call it in comic books is issues, not episodes. And they'd have the yearly, and I'm not a big Marvel fan for people who are interested. I'm more of a DC kind of a guy, but that's a different kind of conversation. But he was uh, right up there with Ghost Rider as my two favorite Marvel characters. And, God, the, the first movie with Dolph Lundgren was, was god-awful. Uh, just no redeeming qualities. The, um, 
then there was a movie with Ray Stevenson as a Punisher and then Thomas Jane. And I like the Ray Stevenson version the best. I felt like that really captured what the Punisher was all about. The Thomas Jane one was, was okay, but that was my favorite one. And then I never watched Daredevil on Netflix, so I didn't get to see any of that. But, you know, I started watching this, and I wanted to get into it, and I, I just felt from a storyline perspective, it, it took way too long to develop, and a lot of parts were just the, the these monologues and, and, and character development that I thought went a little too far for what kind of character he is. But as far as some of the military stuff in terms of what we were doing in Afghanistan and how weapons work and, you know, what happens when you get shot if you're wearing body armor. Um, look, they're growing heroin. Poppies in Afghanistan, that's, that's fairly well known. Whether or not we are kind of being the uh, security for the heroin product. That's up for debate. That's been floating around a whole lot as a theory as to why we're over there. I don't know how true that is. Some of the weapons and tactics used. Um, yeah, I don't want to spoil the story for anybody, but some of them were believable, some of them weren't. Uh, I'll start with the shooting, getting shot, wearing body armor. There's several scenes where... People are hit by gunfire while wearing chest armor, and they kind of shrug it off and keep going. Well, um, I've never been shot wearing body armor, but I've talked to plenty of guys in the military who did it as part of training, or uh, cops who have uh, been shot by body armor as part of their training, and one who uh, you know got shot for real and saved his life. And all of them said the same thing. It is like getting kicked by an elephant. It is, it is not something you just get right back up and start uh, returning fire at your enemy. I mean, it, it is all that uh, force and kinetic energy is hitting that one spot and it uh, throws you around. So for the people who are seeing characters getting hit by multiple uh, bullets at close range and the person gets right up and continues to engage in the fight, that's not really real. That's that's not how it works. Um, it's just not. Uh, there have been advances in body armor. There have been advances in, in Kevlar protection, but it's it's still the same kind of concept. You're you're gonna feel that thing hit you, and it's not gonna be pleasant. And you're not going to be loving life when you get hit. You'll be alive. But I guess I would liken it to an airbag going off in a car is, yeah, you're going to, the airbag's going to hit you and you're going to know that, holy moly, I've been in a wreck. But you're also going to be able to um, live another day a lot of times. So I guess my point is it, it's TV, it's, it's make-believe, it's not the real thing. None of this is the real thing. I've been asked questions about certain other characters and organizations that are part of the story. All I can tell you is, just from reading my history books and military history, certain orgs and past wars did some pretty messed up things. Uh, we as America aren't exactly um, paragons of morality on the battlefield. 
I have different feelings about that. I'm, I'm like, you know, if I've got to be safe and I've got to defeat the enemy overseas and make sure they stay there, I'm kind of all for it. But I think there's a price to pay. No, nothing's free. Nothing's free exacts a toll out of the person and by a larger extent the country that they are protecting. So that's kind of how I feel about that. Um, if you're a huge, huge uh, Punisher fan, you're going to like it. If you want to see a comic book character put on the uh, screen in a, in a very competent, uh, slick way, this is a, a very good compared to other offerings out there. So as a DC fan, I wish uh, DC would get their act together and make some good uh, TV or movie content because their last couple of offerings have absolutely sucked and stunk. So I, I, I didn't even go see Justice League, and I, and I refuse to watch Batman vs. Superman because Ben Affleck's in it. But again, again, this is not about uh, movies and, and, and media. This is about the military, and that's how I'm going to answer that question of the week. Keep them coming. So I wanted to talk about Pearl Harbor because uh, my show falls on December 7th, which is the 76th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor, all these years later, still evokes emotions in many Americans who weren't even born at that time, had, you know, grandfathers, grandparents, grandmothers who were out there in Hawaii during that time. Uh, entire families were affected forever when uh, the Pearl Harbor attack took place on December 7th, and it will just be a part of our history in America. It's what really pushed us to um, get into the war. But I started looking at a way to kind of add something new, an original idea to Pearl Harbor, and, and I, I was kind of you know, like, yeah, I really don't like that, or yeah, that sucks, or ah, I could do better. But then uh, one thing that kept coming up was the Pearl Harbor conspiracy theory. And there is this aspect that Pearl Harbor was to many people a government cover-up to allow the United States to be led into war. And then I started really reading about it, and unfortunately, I'm going to tell people right now, I, my podcast, this one episode, will not do this justice. This is not just a simple cover-up and some you know, orders got lost or you know, radar turned off. This is a very layered story of, of what happened. And remember that this naval installation, Pearl Harbor, got taken completely surprised by the Japanese. They were able to sail close enough to launch their aircraft from aircraft carriers, do the raid, and pretty much come back, land, and take off until the Battle of Midway. But, but, but to say that they got the drop on us was an understatement. We were taken completely by surprise. And so as I started digging into this, I'm like, wow, this is, this is more than I can cover in a 30-minute podcast. And I really didn't want to try to rush it all into this one podcast. So what I'm going to try to do is in January, February, March, 
kind of do a, a, a true part. This is part zero. And I'll do like a part one through four in, in the first four months of next year because there's all kinds of things going on here. This attack happened. Absolutely, this, this happened. Took us by surprise. Changed America forever, right? But after that attack, there were... Nine inquiries from 1941 to 1946 about what happened, and a final one in 1995. Several, several top-tier, uh, there were several people in the Navy, top-tier people, uh, civilians, politicians, who really believed that somehow Americans were not warned in time to prepare effectively. And then I start reading through this, uh, and it's pretty common knowledge. You can find it out there on Wikipedia or any other naval source um, about our intelligence gathering, how in 1941 we were pretty good at breaking codes, and that was in part to some of the work we had done um, trying to, to compromise the German U-boats uh, in the Atlantic. But when you start looking at how uh, the U.S. was trying to uh, access Japanese messages and radio signals, it, it, this, this story really dives deep. And they were trying to detect... Um, Japanese transmissions and there are claims there are assertions that there were radio signals detected that were passed on to US intelligence but ignored or covered up and I'm sitting there thinking wow I mean we have in our day and age the 9-11 conspiracy that says that in some cases, planes didn't actually hit these buildings. That these buildings were actually wired up to explode in time as such that they could um, implode together. There's no way the jet fuel could have melted the beams to allow them to collapse. That the Pentagon was not hit by a plane. That the plane that crashed in the Midwest didn't actually wasn't actually a plane. No wreckage found, that kind of thing. But this is this is this is 75, 70 years ago. People are starting to talk about the fact that wait a minute, how were we caught so flat-footed? And between the intelligence portion of this, which I think is what I will start covering in January, and then you read about the political climate in the world between the U.S. and uh, the United Kingdom. And how Winston Churchill was desperately seeking our, our help to defeat the Germans. And I only say that because if you look at the movie Dunkirk, uh, we, the U.S., weren't really involved with the war at that time. I mean, Britain slugged out for a while before we got involved. And, and so these things start adding up to be a very interesting story that people are starting to give credence to the fact that maybe, you know, Franklin Delano Roosevelt 
had an ulterior motive for allowing this to happen. And I, I just think it's interesting in this day and age that um, you think that 9-11 is the first time this has happened or other times where things have happened that didn't make sense. That something like this was questioned way back then. I mean, it was, it was the first time we had been attacked since the, uh, on, on our soil, since what, 1812, right? When the British landed in, in New Orleans. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm clueless as to, you know, how to process this. What was going on in our national psyche that we were actually no longer invincible? That somebody had the, 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 the balls, if you will, to pull this off and kill thousands of people, injure many more, hundreds, hundreds more, destroy dozens of ships, aircraft, the whole nine yards. Is this possible? Is it possible that this was an inside job, that this was allowed to happen? And as I'm getting ready to do this podcast, because at first I wanted to do a real, like, upbeat, you know, remember the, who, who got killed and let's let's go forth and be Americans and, and this is our day and it will never be forgotten. And that's all true, but I'm like, wait a minute. I mean, people looked at this thing 10 times. And... There's some interesting pieces of evidence. There are some interesting statements by officials on both sides of the coin, by Japanese and American officials, as to what they thought would have happened. There are documents that are interesting. And so all I'm saying is, for this 76th anniversary of Pearl Harbor, while we take the time to remember what happened, and we should, and we should never forget there, there was a different narrative being spun that this was possibly allowed to happen for the purpose of getting us into the war proper. And I don't know. I, 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 I like I said, I was, I was mulling this over, mulling this over, mulling this over. Didn't really know how I was going to do this podcast. And by the time I did, did you know, tonight's show. I'm like, not only do I not have the ability to really give this its full due in 30 minutes, but it is a deep, complex story. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, watch this space. Um, January, February, March, April of 2018, I will do um, a show each month about this and try to get some more clarity because it's, an, it's, an, it's a fascinating story to me and one that's not really talked about a whole lot and I want to know what you think uh, maybe you had a relative grandfather grandmother who was around during that time maybe your family was impacted by uh, Pearl Harbor I don't know but if you have any thoughts to add I'd love to hear from you my email address is Travis at OscarMikeRadio.com and um, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing this through now that I've got going on this. All right. Um, so that's going to be my word of the week. We've got some more words on this coming down the way, as you've heard. 
and thanks for listening. I'm now going to go into uh, what the complaint department sent in. Uh, last week they were complaining about safety briefs, and um, the grunt side of the equation is upset. He, he's upset at the fact that um, people don't have to polish boots anymore. And I'm like, wait a minute. You didn't even polish boots when you were in. I polished boots when I was in. He's like, well, I think it should be brought back. I said, you never had to do it. You wore desert boots. They were phasing uh, you know, the, the black boots out. You know, a couple of years after I got out. So what was the big deal? He's like, well, I feel these young devil dogs get in too much trouble. And they get in too much trouble because they don't have anything to do. And he, he's like, you know, if I had my way, you know, I'd tell the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps to go back to black boots. And, you know, you know work on the spit shine. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are you telling me that if, if, if they go back to black boots... That will solve discipline problems in the Marine Corps. And he was like, yes. Yes, it will. Not only just the Marine Corps, but also every other service. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, Secretary Mattis is a, is, a, is a devil dog like you and me. I'm sure if you wrote him and told him how you felt, he'd take it uh, under advisement from a salty old dog like you. To which his uh, response was a middle finger salute and about face and walking off. But hey, I tried. I tried to talk to him about this. What can I say? Okay, what's coming up uh, this weekend? As I said last week, it's a very big deal around here. Very big deal to me is just checking in, is having a huge uh, little outreach, not little, but big outreach at the Melrose Cemetery in Brockton, Massachusetts. And that is for Operation Reese for Veterans. Uh, a lot of families start visiting their um, their family's graves during this time. And what the, the, the idea here is to put a wreath on uh, the veterans' graves in this area of the um, South Shore in Massachusetts to let family members know that people are thinking about them, which... It's, it's very cool to see this come together for the community and how people get involved. And then some of the feedback from others about how they feel when they come to the cemetery. And what is supposed to be a very bright and you know fun time of year. But if you've lost a loved one who while they served or who had served, it's, it's a very somber time for a lot of us. So they do this to, to let people know that there are others out there thinking of them. So you can go to their uh, Facebook page, just checking in, and um, check it out further. I can tell you next week I'm going to have kind of a more comprehensive list of everything that is going on uh, in this area, some national events going on, and if you have anything that you want to bring attention to, please let me know. Again, uh, it's Traps at OscarMicroRadio.com. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can get me anytime, anywhere. Would love to hear from you. Okay. So, 
I'm going to close with as you know we, we approach the holiday season just keep in mind there's a lot of people uh, military and first responders who will not be able to spend Christmas with their families and I just want to say that I appreciate their sacrifice and their service so we can all enjoy the kind of life that we have and I will see you next week it's going to be a great show kind of a interview with uh, some very good friends of mine and what they're doing you won't want to miss it this is Travis with Oscar Mike Radio and I am out Oscar Mike Radio over and out Oscar Mike Radio, do you copy? Turns to one actual, I have you five by five. Oscar Mike Radio is in route. Copy that, Sinister One. Coming at you from the city of champions, Brockton, Massachusetts. Come in, Oscar Mike Radio. Oscar Mike Radio, veteran in action, on the move, on mission, always. Off we go.